Boundaryless Kayak Fishing Podcast with your host, Mark Goodrow. All right, guys, episode three of the Boundaryless Kayak Fishing Podcast. I apologize for the long delay between episodes, just, uh, you know, finishing up Christmas and took a little time uh, between these ones so I'm sorry about that hopefully it won't happen too much more um, like I said looking to get an episode out every two to three weeks hopefully more on the two weeks and today we got a pretty exciting topic today we're going to talk all about propulsion which as you guys probably know propulsion uh, for your kayak whether that's paddle pedal or motor um that's that's one of the biggest game changers there is right now in the kayak fishing industry. So it's a pretty exciting topic. Excited to dive into it a little bit more. Um, I'm going to try to keep this one a little bit shorter for you guys. I know the last one was pretty long. So we'll see. Uh, we'll shoot for between 30, 30 minutes to an hour. Um, anyways, let's get into it. We're going to start off with a little bit of housekeeping first, going through that stuff, and then we'll get deeper into our uh, propulsion topic here in a little bit. Anyways, we're going to start off with a verse. The verse of the episode is Matthew 8, 23. Uh, While the boat was being swamped, Jesus was sleeping in the stern. They woke him and said, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the seas, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? It's a great little verse, you know. You got guys, uh, the disciples, already doubting Jesus after he's done all these miracles and everything. So, um, you know, it's important just to to remember what he's done in the past. And, uh, you know, he's a real man, came to earth and did real miracles. And, uh, yeah, it's a great little verse there. Remind you to, to continue in your faith and uh, be strong in it. Let's switch over to kayak fishing news. Um, with it being winter time, there's there's a few things going on down south with some tournaments starting to kick off and everything. Haven't seen too much lately. That's really a big game changer by any means. Um, so I thought I'd talk a little bit about uh, what I'm thinking about maybe for the future here. So for Bindless Kayak Fishing, we might start up some online tournaments here soon. So I'm thinking about a few different ideas. I'm thinking about running more of a, a low-cost beginner kayak fishing tournament series. I know there's a lot of guys that are trying to enter into the sport, figure it out a little bit, never have done any tournaments. Um, you know, a lot of the tournaments I enter into, they're between $50 to $100 buy-in, and I know a lot of guys that... You know, it just seems a little too expensive to be doing a few tournaments at that price, especially when they get to $100 or more. Um, you know, you might spend 300 to 500 bucks a year on uh, just kayak bass fishing tournaments. Um, something about maybe doing a low-cost entry-level tournament, you know, something around $15, $20 to enter. Obviously, then uh, the earnings aren't going to be super high, but... Um, the guys that finish in the top 25% or so should end up being at least a free tournament, if not, you know, some good winnings for the guys that finish in the top five or so. Um, and then I'm thinking about doing some multi-species tournaments. So uh, I 
As you guys probably know, I love 39 hours, so I'm thinking about doing one that's more of a high-stakes tournament, but looking at multi-species, measuring over inches, covering multiple states. So uh, we'll see if there's any tournaments here happening this year. Um, that'll be a new experience for me. I haven't ever directed any tournaments, so we'll, we'll see if that's able to happen this year. If not this year, hopefully it's something that we get around to next year. So could be some exciting uh tournaments to check out here in the near future the lure of the episode i'm gonna go with the soft swim bait which i know a lot of guys kind of have thrown harder swim baits and joining baits in the past but soft swim baits have really kind of taken over lately uh, i feel like they're a little more realistic and even when a fish bites it it's still that initial uh, bite isn't as bad they sometimes you'll get fish to come back and tag a swim bait a few times if they don't get it the first time they're not necessarily really turned off once they hit it um, unlike kind of a hard bait i feel like uh, i typically look at paddle baits you know two of the main ones i use a uh, kitech uh, their four inch swim bait is probably one of my favorites i stick to a lot of natural kind of white shad colors um, those just seem to catch fish, at least in my area. Sometimes if I'm going with a darker, um, maybe like a darker chatterbait and using it as a trailer, I might go with like a green pumpkin or something in that natural bluegill green pumpkin kind of color. But for the main part, I, I typically stick to white and more of a clear translucent color, more of that natural bait presentation. Uh, another good one I like to use is that Storm 360 search bait. Um, that Storm 360 has a really, it's a really small profile, um, has a little tail on there. And really, if things are going slow, you can usually slow roll that uh, towards the bottom of the water column and really get some bites generated. Great little search bait, very, very finesse style. You know, this isn't something, especially on that 360, that's a real tight wobble, um, this isn't something that's going to draw a fish in from, you know, 30 feet away. It's not, it's not a whopper plopper where the fish are here on the other side of the lake or anything. Um, it's going to have to be something that, that they're probably going to have to see. But working along those weed edges or over top submergent weeds, you know, if they just get kind of a glimpse of this, uh, it's something that they're coming out and they're smacking pretty hard. Um, it, it's kind of, I fish it pretty similar to something like a spinner bait or even a chatterbait. Um, the main difference between this one and that, uh, those ones is that this is a lot more of a finesse approach. So where a spinnerbait is putting off some really, you know, it's really flashy and it's putting off some good noise and vibration. Uh, chatterbait, I would even say so on more, uh, especially on that vibration side. And then you have, you know, something like a swim bait where there's really not a lot of flash, not a lot of vibration, uh, but it's going to catch those fish that are, you know, a little more hesitant, but they're on the edge ready to eat. Um, which kind of gives you, brings a good point between those three. Um, I'd say spinnerbait is more flashy than producing that, that sound and that rattle, where chatterbait isn't necessarily quite as flashy. It does have that nice flash uh, on the on the jig head there um but it doesn't 
necessary. It's not quite as flashy as a spinnerbait, but it does put out a lot of sound and vibration. Um, and then you come in with something like this, a little soft swim bait with a paddle tail. Uh, really gets those fish that aren't willing to hit those other baits uh, to bite. And this is another one that you've seen a lot of guys lately on the pro level starting to throw it as a finesse approach, but they're actually downsizing the lure a lot, throwing like a two and a half inch to three inch swim bait, which is relatively small for, for a lot of the lures that they're throwing. But you go with a little two and a half inch swim bait on a little jig head, and um, you know, that's a really stealthy finesse approach for those fish that have been seeing a lot of lures, they're really pressured. This is a approach that gets those pressured fish to bite. Um, but like I said, I usually throw that bigger size. I'm usually just trying to generate bites. Um, and the other great thing about this lure is that it can fit, be fished throughout the water column. So you can run it really, you know, not quite a top water, but you can run it just under the surface. Um, almost, we'll say almost like a wake bait. Um, probably not going to get quite that high either. But within those first few feet of the top of the water column, you can run in the middle, you can slow it down, you can run on the bottom, you can bottom bounce it too, which uh, sometimes in rivers and stuff, I'll bottom bounce uh, this almost like, like a real jig. Um, so there's a lot of options with that soft swim bait. Uh, it really catches fish, there's no doubt about it. And then the next thing I'm going to go, go with is a listener question. So listener question, um, just starting off, beginner kayak bass fisherman, how do I deal with the wind? Um, the wind is uh, probably the trickiest thing you'll have to deal with when you're kayak bass fisherman or kayak fisherman in general. The wind is gonna be your worst enemy. I'm gonna do a podcast here. It might even be my next podcast where I talk all about just wind control and how to deal with the wind and different things you can implement. So with that being said, I'll probably hold off on a lot of the details, but if you can't upgrade your kayak to more of a pedal kayak, um, then your next, next best thing is to get a light paddle, something you can pick up and paddle you know, one-handed relatively easily if that's possible. If not, another thing I've done in the past is use like a Frisbee or they make little one-handed paddles. Um, but I've always done a Frisbee when I was little. Um, and then you kind of use that to help do those quick little paddle strokes you need to redirect. Um, but the, the wind is just tricky. There's a lot of different options that you can do. Um, I've used wind socks before and dropped those over the edge and those can kind of slow you down. The biggest thing I've learned is really how to work with the wind. You know, if the wind's pushing one direction, a lot of times you can work an entire bank um, and let the wind basically be your drift. And so you paddle at the top of the wind and you let it push you down that whole side. And then really what you're doing is fine tuning the distance you are between shore. Now, if the wind's really blowing hard against the shoreline um, or blowing at you, at, that's going to be a pretty tough situation. Maybe something you need to anchor on. But if it's blowing more sideways, a lot of times you can use that wind. Paddle, take the time, take the extra time, paddle up into the wind, 
let it blow you back and then you kind of just repeat that sometimes if it's blowing hard enough you know it's really pushing you past a lot of cover pretty fast you might only get you know a handful of casts in but if you don't have that many options you know you get your handful of casts you paddle back to the top you take your next few shots um, ends up being a painful game but uh, it will pay off a lot of, as you guys probably know a lot of fish use the wind and that can really fire them up so i like in tournaments uh, which i'll talk about here a little bit with a pedal kayak you can definitely deal with the wind a little better um, i like chasing wind in tournaments getting fish to bite um, they're typically against those wind blown points and shorelines and so if you're you're getting there and you're fishing into the wind um, there's a good chance you got some bass that are gonna bite so anyways, that's, uh, that's the housekeeping. Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into our main topic, talking about propulsion. Be right back. All right, propulsion. This is what you guys came to listen to. Let's get into a little bit. Let's cover the three main types of propulsion real fast. That's paddling, pedaling with your feet, you know, it's not convenient. It sounds a lot like paddling. But I'll try to decipher paddling versus pedaling. And then we have motors. Uh, motors have been a big topic lately in kayak fishing. So, first, starting off with paddling. You know, this is the spot where everybody typically starts when they think of kayak fishing. Um, it's really just the traditional method. Um, I know I started this way, pretty much everybody I know has started with a paddle. There's a lot of guys and pro kayak for bass fishermen that still use paddles. Um, you know, I've seen guys in a tournament with, with a good paddling kayak, which, you know, is typically that thinner, narrower, uh, longer style paddle, uh, sorry, longer kayak. I've seen guys out paddle people in a pedaling kayak um, you know a, a lot of it ends up coming down in a technique you know there's a lot of form involved with that I've, I've seen a lot of guys paddling that are not very good at paddling and don't understand what a proper stroke is and aren't digging in their paddle all the way in the water you know they're getting half the paddle in the water um, I've seen people holding their paddle the wrong way uh, it's always funny to me when I'm seeing TV shows and you got people, especially on canoes, they're making those bent shaft canoes, uh, canoe paddles nowadays, and you see people scoop in the water with those bent shafts instead of turning it the, the right direction. It looks counterintuitive at first, um, but as you do it more, you see kind of the reasoning for that. Um, but anyways, you know... Uh, paddling the paddle stroke a lot of it is in that torso a lot of it's you know it's not really utilizing your arms nearly as much as you typically see people utilizing your arms it really should be more of a twist and a rotation and more of a torso and shoulder movement rather than just an arm movement um the tricky people thing is, you know, people are getting into it to fish and not necessarily paddle, so they never took the time to actually research how to do a proper paddle stroke. Um, you know, I, I love paddling. Um, to me, it's, it's a great experience. You know, I feel like it gets you 
uh, in tune with nature a little bit more. I'd do it both canoe paddling and kayak paddling. Um, but the thing is, when you get to the fishing aspect of it, I think it does have a few downsides uh, that pedal and motors, you know, kind of make up for. But it's definitely a passion. Uh, it's definitely the quickest and easiest way to get into the sport and, <laughs> and least expensive. Let's Maybe we should talk about that for a little bit. Um, you can get a paddle kayak for $300. You know, it'll be uh, more inexpensive sit-in kayak probably. And then by the time you get up to the, you know, 600 700 and then especially into the $1,000 range, now you're talking about some pretty serious sit-on-tops, but they're still paddling kayaks. Um, you're going to have to spend close to... 1800 to $2,000 to really start getting into more of those pedal kayaks or motor kayaks. So um, that is a big reason why a lot of people uh, are sticking with paddling kayaks. But there definitely is, you know, some good, you can do some good fishing out of paddle kayak, especially if you're able to get out of the wind. Um, really, the biggest downfall to paddling with your hands, if you, if you fish a lot of wind or if you want to cover a lot of water, that's kind of the issue with a kayak that you paddle. It just doesn't have the advantages that the other ones do. Um, in the wind, a lot of you guys probably experience this. You get to your spot, you go make your cast. By the time you get your cast all the way back, you have to pick up that paddle and you got to make a slight adjustment, right? Wind's starting to take you a little bit further, a little bit faster than you want that wind to take you. Um, so you're kind of constantly grabbing that paddle. You know, I used to be fishing while the paddle's in my hand and trying to move the kayak at the same time, right? You can do that when you have a slower presentation like a jig or something like that where you can be popping the jig at the same time that you're making corrective strokes. Um, but that isn't, that isn't the greatest for fishing. Uh, one of the best things that I think you can do if you're in a paddle kayak is upgrade your paddle. If you can't afford to go to a pedal style, then spend the money and get yourself a good paddle. Um, myself included, I never took the, the, the money and upgraded my paddle. I did eventually go to a pedal style kayak. Um, but that is something that if, if I was still, you know, paddling with my arms, I would upgrade that paddle right away. Uh, a lot of the factory ones are around, you know, 40 ounces or so. You really should be shooting for a kayak pedal that's around 30 ounces or less. One of my favorites is the Werner, uh, W-E-R-N-E-R, -E -E Werner Shuna Hooked series. Um, that is a pretty awesome paddle. That's coming in at 27 ounces. I think it's around $150 to $200, but it is light. And so those one-handed corrective strokes, um, or when you have a fish and you're trying to back paddle all of a sudden while you got the you know, rod in your hand, you got a fish hooked, that makes things a lot easier. And then obviously just long days on the water. Um, covering water you really and here's another thing i quickly mentioned the weight 
of the pedal makes a difference. So I, I suggest going out and testing these because I've seen some paddles that are the same weight, but they feel heavier. And by that, I mean if the weight is centered between your hands, but it's light at the end, it's not going to feel as heavy as a paddle that's heavy on the fin ends and light in the middle. So the shaft weight doesn't really matter as much as the actual blade weight because the blade is a part that you have that most, it has that longer lever arm. So the further the weight is out uh, on your paddle, the heavier it's gonna feel. Um, so that's kind of something to think about that I don't think many people really think about when they're ordering paddle. They just look at the general weight. But if you're able to actually go out, feel, move some of these paddles around in your hands, get an understanding of kind of the weight balance. You want that, that weight balance to be right in the middle, right between your hands, so that it just is, it's a quick pivot movement. Um, and it's not, you're not feeling like you're lifting a heavy blade at the end of your paddle. So kind of something to consider there. Uh, be careful that Warner Shuna, Warner Shuna hooked. Um, it does come in two models. So there's one model that's just basically a straight paddle. And then there's another model where they actually uh, can adjust. So it can go from like 240 to 260 centimeters or something like that. So it has actually a length adjustment, but that adds three or four ounces. So you have to, you know, have to understand if you want that length adjustment, it's something you can get, but it's going to cost you weight. Um, same with all the other model brands. The more intricate the paddle design is, it's probably going to add more weight. Um, and speaking about length of kayaks, uh, kayak paddles, this is something that is a lot different. You do not want to just go into like a Dick's Sporting Goods or even a Bass Pro or something like that. You don't want to just go in there and grab a kayak paddle. The kayak paddle length is so dependent on the type of kayak you have. It's really important that you test some of those out. Um, a typical kayak paddle might be like 220 centimeters. Um, but when you get into these wider fishing kayaks, you're going to need some extra length so you're not constantly hitting the gunnels or constantly... Uh, having your knuckles hit the side of the kayak. So you're going to want to go up to something that's probably like a 240 or 250 centimeter length. I've even seen some guys up go up to a 280 centimeter length. So these are some pretty long paddles that we're using as kayak fishermen, but it's because we're, we're in big fishing kayaks. They're wider kayaks. They require a little bit longer of a paddle. Um, that also changes based on your stroke. Um, there's a low angle stroke and there's a high angle stroke. Um, I see a lot of fishermen with more of a low angle stroke, um, but a high angle is where you're really bringing the blade, um, the blade that's out of the water is really going over your head and the blade that's in the water is more of a straight down direct path into the water. You're digging it straight in, pulling it back. Um, a low angle, either pad, the paddle blade that's out of the water rarely would come over about chest height. Um, it's more of a relaxed style. It's not going to be as fast, but it's going to be easier on the body where the high angle is more of a faster approach. Um, you'll get across the water faster. It's more aggressive. Um, 
but that also changes how how your paddle stroke is it's hard to do a real high angle paddle stroke when you got a wide kayak because you can't really dig it right next to your legs uh, you got to extend it beyond the kayak uh, gunnels there um, yeah and then i guess the other thing i'd say is you know Back when I was paddling kayak, I used to do this cool fishing with my neighbor back home. He used to take me bass fishing at, at a little club that he belonged to. And we were actually tenkara fishing, which is kind of a type of fly fishing in a sense. But we were tenkara fishing for bass and a bunch of lily pads in our kayaks. And uh, he taught me to use a frisbee as basically my quick paddle stroke corrective stroke uh, piece of gear and i know i think it's yak attack has come out with a little one-handed kayak paddle that you can kind of pick up pretty quickly if you need to to do anything but um i don't know frisbee seemed to work fine for me but uh you know something kind of small and light one-handed can you know it's worth maybe giving a shot sometime if you want to try something else out instead of picking up your whole kayak paddle and you have you know the whole weight of it on one hand while you're holding your fishing rod and uh you know it can put a lot of strain on your wrist there if you could get something light kind of flat in somewhat of a paddle shape uh, like a frisbee you can try a frisbee um try that out you know that might be good for those corrective strokes and might be something that you know you haven't thought of before but really takes that strain uh, off of you so give that a shot so that's that's what i got for the paddle side now i'm going to get into the pedal stroke a little bit here um, pedaling like pedaling a bicycle pedaling with your feet this is probably the biggest game changer that we've seen over the last i'll say two years in kayak fishing pedal kayaks have taken off pretty much every manufacturer makes one now um it's just gone crazy and so there's a lot of options a lot of different choices that really stem well they really come down to two different styles there's the pedal kayaks that are based more on the Hobie Mirage Drive style, and that's with two fins that are under the water. Uh, they compare it to more of a, a penguin style, but it's that two-fin style. And then you have one that's more of a propeller style. And there's a lot of different options, but they're going to fall between one of those two categories. Um, cost we talked a little bit about it before when we we're talking about paddling but this is it's not a cheap way to go um having a pedal kayak is going to cost you around two thousand dollars and that's more of that entry level price you can get in some really serious pedal kayaks and they can go up to well the new hobie 360 i was just at the boat show was retailing at forty seven hundred dollars so you're getting close to five grand on that uh kayak fishing kayak so it can get pricey when you get into this realm i know for my i have a hobie outback and a hobie pro angler and the cost of the mirage drive that's just the actual pedal uh, propulsion system there that's eight hundred dollars alone so if you lose that uh, 
you know that's a hundred dollar cost that you're you're eating so it's a pretty good idea to have that tied down or locked down um, or even you know not just out and about uh, when it's in your car or anything so cost is a big factor entering into the pedal market but what i'd say and i've said it before i'll say it again um, when it comes down to my hobie outback i got it is a last year's model so i actually only got it for twenty one hundred dollars which i know it sounds like a lot but it was a steal um that i would have paid double for it basically i mean the way that it's changed my fishing is is very very worth it to me now everybody has their own finances they everybody has to sort that out um, like i mentioned in my, my other podcasts uh, when you start looking at the cost of a boat which is what i was doing uh, really for me between storage and winterization all that you know that's about a two thousand in gas uh, i'll say gas um, that's at least a two thousand dollar cost a year i basically paid for this kayak in one year of just maintenance fees for what a boat would have cost me so to me this is the the very cheap option uh instead of having a boat so that's essentially how i justified it but cost is a big factor i want to get into pedal stroke a little bit um this is something critical that not a lot of people think about is how your legs uh, and how that pedal stroke is different between the different pedal options like i said there's really two main options there's a mirage drive fin style and what you have to look at is your your legs and your knees that is more of a piston straight and back stroke where the other ones are more of a bicycle stroke so you have a little bit more of a lift in your leg and it's more of a round circular stroke um, you have to see what you like better i'd go out and test them that bicycle one is like a recumbent bicycle. I've heard of some people uh, having kind of leg troubles um, with that stroke. Uh, I don't know if it's in that hip flexor area or what, but they run into uh, some issues with how that affects their legs. They don't really like it. Where the Hobie ones, you can shorten your stroke if you want. You can. Um, which is also another key difference so you can do little flutter kicks where you're only kicking you know two or three inches at a time and still propel yourself or you can do a full stroke where you might be covering about a foot of length uh, at a time so there's a lot of variance along with being able to if you go to the end of your stroke you have the fins tucked up real tight against the kayak you can go you know it might be sticking down an inch or two whereas the other ones they might stick down up to a foot um, and now with hobie's new kick up fins that's where if you run over something the fins could even be down you can run into a log and they'll actually kick up and then when you start again they'll come back down um, which is a pretty cool option the only thing about those 360 kick up fins or i, I know they're not they're not all on the 360 they're just uh, on the kick up fins the only thing I can think of, and why I probably won't upgrade, is that I do do some river fishing. And when I river fish, a lot of times my kayak turns upstream. Uh, it's just kind of a natural 
way that it pushes my kayak and so I generally actually am facing upstream while going backwards on the river uh, while I'm fishing and so if I come up to a rock or some you know shallow area with my uh, fins down I, I don't think those kick up fins work backwards so it'd be a situation where uh, maybe if I put them in reverse then they might work but uh, I think it's a situation where it could potentially break them if I didn't have them facing the right way and I'm being pushed by the current into some larger rocks or shallow areas so the best thing to do is just keep them up tight against the kayak um, another reason why I really like those fin styles um, I've been watching some tests online and it seems like everybody is in terms of speed is relatively close um, I think the power the actual torque ends up going a little bit more to the fin style um, and I know the actual speed winner and one I was looking at where they're covering a few different kayaks um, the speed winner ended up being an ocean kayak Malibu um, which I think is it's a relatively narrow kayak um, all the other ones were you know like the Hobie one that was represented was a pro angler so very big very wide and this is a much smaller nimbler kayak so uh, I think that's probably why the speed went over for that one um, but it's an interesting kayak I might have to take a look at that sometime and try it out um, another kind of cool a lot of the propeller style bicycle ones they come down right in the middle of the kayak just just like the fin style um, there's a little port in the middle you pop it in the other thing cool thing I've seen is new canoe has their pivot drive which actually you mount it on the end instead of your rudder and it has a, a flexible drive in a sense it's you know probably six to eight feet long it goes from where your feet are to the back of the kayak it just looks like a maybe one inch thick tube um, but it has some sort of flexible drive within it and goes to the back of the kayak and it's where your rudder is and you actually steer with it too so it's it's propulsion and steering in one device which is pretty different than anything else I've seen and then um, yeah it just it, it propels you that way so it's a pretty cool option the thing that I think really is really cool about it too is that it, it's easily removable and you don't have that big cockpit or empty hole or cover in the middle of it um, and new canoe we'll talk about it soon but they also have like a motor option if you want to so I really like the new canoe option there um, I haven't done that new pivot drive or tested it out or anything so I'm not sure exactly how well it works but it seems like a really cool innovative idea something a little different that theoretically you could put on any kayak um, I just know the the foot pedaling uh, bicycle area you'd have to make some sort of adapter to get it work or fit on your kayak but other than that theoretically it should be able to work on any kayak which is kind of cool um, so let's talk about the strengths a little bit of a pedal kayak Dealing with the wind is probably hands down the 
biggest difference that it can make in terms of when you're when you're tracking a shoreline especially when you have forward and reverse i would if you're maybe if you're offshore guy reverse doesn't matter but if you're inshore you're trying to track along a shoreline or anything i think forward and reverse is critical because you just never know what the wind's going to do or where the wind's going to push you uh, so i think it's almost a must have forward and reverse and being able to play with that wind, having the rudder in the back, you can help kind of change the direction your kayak is facing. facing, And then a little bit of that propulsion and power can either keep you almost in place at times, or at least when you're working the shoreline, you can be going in and out and tracking that shoreline perfectly um, and, and doing it hands-free. So hands-free is is really critical piece of this puzzle uh, i think i probably make about three more casts per per cast than i did before i had a pedal kayak because especially i've also upgraded to more bait casting rods and so i mean being hands-free and not having to pick up that paddle between every time i'm casting out i think i'm probably casting about three times more it's just it's that much more efficient and hands-free and then with a bait caster and not having to flip over a spinning reel bale and worry about that i'm just basically rapid firing casts uh, pretty much as quickly as you can at times if i'm using a fast reactive bait it's just it's non-stop which hurts hurts your wrist at the end of a long day from casting that much but when you're trying to put fish in the boat and you can get that lure out there as much as possible, especially those quick reaction baits, if you're jig fishing and whatnot, obviously it's not going to make a, a big difference if you're letting your boats uh, or letting your bait soak a lot. It won't make a lot of difference there. But um, when you're burning baits or, or working baits pretty well, having multiple casts and not having to worry so much about your position all the time and picking up your paddle and moving and all that makes a big difference now on the other hand there are some downsides to pedal kayaks the first one i mentioned is weight they are generally just heavier boats um, they have to have that extra molded area molded in port area sometimes they have some hardware to make sure they can hold that uh, those pedals in and then also make sure that the extra forces that you're putting right there on the boat you know don't don't crack the boat in that area so they tend to be a little heavier duty in that area where the pedal drive is and the other downside is that you still actually have to carry a paddle with you so a lot of guys don't think about this but you know when you have a pedal paddle kayak with your hands you just have one paddle when you have a pedal kayak you have your whole pedal device which the device actually weighs a fair amount it's usually a decent sized hunk of metal there but you still actually have to carry your paddle too when because when you're just coming offshore and you're coming back in or you're in a lot of weeds or something like that you actually have to break out your paddle and, and get through those areas so you're still bringing a paddle with you um, but you're bringing the convenience of a pedal device and 
that's going to take some extra weight. Um, also, shallow water, rivers, weedy areas, it's just not going to really work for you. Um, you can sometimes flutter kick through weeds. If the river is deep enough, it can actually be really good for a river it's, if it's deep enough. But I really haven't risked it in, in the rivers I'm around because I can come up on some shallow areas relatively fast. And also when I'm on a river, I really don't like anything hanging off the sides or off the bottom of the boat uh, or the kayak. I don't like anything that can cause a hang up. You know, you got something fits a foot below your kayak and there's a rock that's under you or even a, a log that you come across and you get that stuck on there. It's just, to me, it's not worth worrying about it. I put in my plug port uh, smooth. I like a smooth kayak all the way around when I'm going through rivers. I don't want to get hung up on anything. I already have a hard enough issue uh, getting my lures unhung from trees. I don't want to have to worry about my rudder or my drive down in the water and getting snagged on anything. I don't want to flip on the river. Um, and then, yeah, just shallow water in general. If you're fishing a lot of areas that are less than a foot, and you're pulling or uh, you know using a pole to propel yourself or or a kayak paddle whatever it is really shallow water not great for and that's like a launching too um, and then weeds uh, it gets it gets bogged down in weeds i don't care who you talk to um, you're not going to really be able to move well through thick stuff in a pedal kayak so if you fish a lot of that thick stuff and that's your game you like to go in there you like to pitch jigs or whatever hit little pockets uh, that's not going to do it but if you're covering a lot of water and you're dealing with wind and you're on more open water big water or you got a long way to travel in between those spots that's where this is really going to shine um, and then the other thing i can mention is that width width seems not to matter in speed quite as much as you would think, and especially not with, uh, not nearly as much as a, a paddle would. Um, it seems like uh, I was riding in my outback next to someone in a pro angler, and we were going pretty much the same speed. And I was surprised. I thought my outback would be a lot faster than the pro angler, but it seemed like that width, um, it didn't seem to be a detriment uh, to how fast. They were going, and we weren't doing a race or anything. We were casually strolling, but I was just—I figured in that casual stroll that I would be—I'd be passing and trying to slow myself down. But we were both going similar speeds. Um, it, it appears that every pedal kayak seems to go a relatively similar speed. Um, typically, you know, three miles per hour relatively easily. You can get up to five miles per hour or so if you're really trying to haul. Um, but I always stick when I'm trying to figure out how far I can go. I always stick with about three miles per hour as kind of my baseline with that. So I don't know that that's kind of that's pedal kayaking. Um, the only other thing I can think of is that the big major change now is that Hobie has added their 360 drive, which I was talking to a Hobie rep the other day about it at the boat show again. 
And uh, he mentioned that he didn't think it might be as much of a game changer as everybody's making it out to be. Um, he basically said, how often do you really need to go sideways in a kayak? But I almost ended up basically convincing him that uh, I think it's going to be a big game changer. I think there are times when you're working uh, a shoreline and forwarding reverse gets you in a pretty good area, but potentially by being able to go sideways, you might be able to hover in an area uh, a lot better. And I guess, I guess you could do that with forward reverse, but really what it comes down to is your casting angles at that point. You can really fine tune how you want the kayak or which direction you want the kayak facing for that good casting angle and as you guys know, casting angle can make a big difference in a kayak. It's really, it's different than anything else. It's hard, if you're a boat fisherman, it's hard to understand from the kayak perspective how a casting angle makes such a big difference. But, um, you know, with rods standing up behind you and trying to avoid those in your back cast, um, and maybe some trees and things here and there, uh, having your boat positioned and facing the right way when you're trying to make a good cast into an area can be a big uh, game changer. And I think working a shoreline and be able to fine tune your casting angles and the direction your boat's facing while moving with the wind uh, is a big difference for that 360 drive. I think it's going to be a game changer there. The, the guy I was talking to mentioned that he didn't even think reverse was going to be a big deal. And I said, well, reverse is a huge deal. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's kind of come to realize that. So I think it's just a matter of him spending some time in it and realizing those situations where it, the convenience of being able to have your drive go more of a sideways uh, to control yourself and your position, it will make a big difference. Um, so... I don't know. That's that's pedal kayaks, and I'll try to wrap this up here soon. Um, motors, motors have been really storming the kayak fishing market, uh, and once again, there's a few main different types, and then you'll see different iterations from different companies. Um, one of one that kind of sticks out is a regular outboard. So I've really only been seeing these on a few kayaks that can handle it and have been designed to be able to handle an outboard. But like Yamaha makes a little two and a half horsepower motor. So you can get a little tiller motor and actually throw it on the back. I've seen it on a fair amount of new canoe boats. Um, these little outboards, gas, gasoline driven outboards. And the nice thing, I guess, is you can just go fill up a little five gallon gas tank and keep it in the front hatch or something like that. And I'm sure, or just in the front area of your boat, and I'm sure you could <laughs> go quite a few miles having that backup right there. Um, I've heard it's pretty much as light as some of these electric motors. Um, it seems like a pretty cool little option. Uh, I'd like to try one of those out at some time just to see how that outboard reacts. Um, the other way to go, which is what you'll see most commonly, is an electric uh, motor. So Bixby, Torquedo, Water Snake, even just taking a regular trolling motor and uh, fixing it up to be able to fit 
on the back or in your drive. That's similar basically what the water snake is. Um, and, and then like I said, Bixby and Torquedo are two main ones that have come out for pretty much every kayak. Um, these are all electric propulsion. I would really urge, you know, if you're looking at one of those, I would get some lithium batteries. And I'd probably get something that shows you, um, they make battery packages like Dakota Lithium or something like that. They make battery packages that show you the percentage of battery life left. And I would seriously consider one of those um, if I was getting an electric motor because you want to make sure you have enough battery uh, to get where you want to go. Um, but even with these electric motors, you know, you're talking about probably up to seven miles per hour. It really will depend on your size and weight and all that. Um, the lighter you are and everything, obviously the faster you're going to go. Um, but you're probably looking at seven miles per hour. I think I've heard of people getting close to maybe nine miles per hour. That's probably going to be the future here. Not too long from now is you know between seven and nine miles per hour um that's a good advantage you know if you have a lot of open water or there's a current you know a lake that has current or even a deep enough river where you don't have to worry about it bottoming out um large water uh, traveling across it getting to fishing areas i live right next to lake minnetonka and you know that's a big lake in minnesota and it might take an hour to go over to the next bay. So that's kind of the areas where I would see it being convenient if I can go instead of taking an hour to get, you know, over to this other bay. It's only half an hour and takes me no extra work. Um, that's, that's a pretty good advantage, especially if you're in tournaments that allow it. That's another thing you have to consider is not every tournament allows you to use a motor. Um, most don't that I know of, but there definitely are some that allow it. Um, the reason I've heard that they allow it is that if you allow it, then there's no questioning in terms of what other people are using for propulsion. Everybody has the option of using a paddle, a pedal, or motor. You pick whatever you want to use. Um, there's not that big argument. Um, I personally, I don't know. For a tournament, I see it as maybe cheating the system a little bit, but... That's just kind of my opinion there. Um, but I can see in certain circumstances that if people are not able to paddle or pedal, that that would be a great tool for them to get on the water and enjoy the sport. Um, disadvantages, though, things I want to quickly hit, is that they're heavy. You know, this is, you thought getting a pedal kayak was heavy. You know, now you have um, a full motor and... Uh, the batteries are going to have to be that much bigger if you really want to take advantage of it. So you're talking about bringing a full like car battery on with you. And then you have to deal a lot with battery charging, which maybe you're already charging because you have electronics, things like that. So then maybe that's not a big deal. But if you're not used to charging your batteries up uh, every time before or after you go out, then you have to start dealing with battery charging. And then probably the biggest issue I can think of is that you're just... There's definitely an increase for mechanical or electrical issues to happen. Uh, the more difficult you make your kayak, the further you get away from single rod and a paddle, uh, the greater chance there is that you have a mechanical or electric issue. Even even talking about pedal kayaks, I've seen guys break chains, you know, on their hobbies or their fins got bent and they couldn't use them or 
or uh, you know maybe your propeller falls off or your something right you, there's just a chance that it doesn't work or something breaks down in the middle of a tournament and then you kind of get frantic and you're worrying about it or you're you know you're far away from the shore or, or from civilization in general you're just increasing those chances of something happening um, you know but I guess that can happen with anything but um, it's definitely something to think about that you might be increasing your chances of having an issue with that so always be prepared I mean if you have a motor always be prepared to at least have a paddle if if it also allows pedals you might want a pedal too in case you're far enough out where you it, it would be difficult for you to paddle back in always you know I wouldn't ever push it farther than you feel comfortable paddling back right so if you go to a big lake and you find yourself using a motor to get all the way across the lake you better feel comfortable that if that motor broke down that you could pedal back if you wanted to that would be my uh, advice there but though those so those are the big three different types of propulsion kind of my thoughts on them um a little bit more in-depth information about each one um you can tell i'm i'm in the middle i like i'm a pedal guy don't really like the idea of motor having to deal with that and i'm horrible at remembering to charge batteries and everything so you know i i tend to stay away from motors i enjoy pedaling i think it makes a big difference i do love to paddle but i just think there's too many advantages to pedaling and wind control that i don't think i can go back now maybe for a quick you know two-hour trip or something like that where i'm trying to go really light you know just one or two rods and a light kayak with a light paddle um i'd actually enjoy getting back into that a little bit more but um if when it comes to serious fishing i'm, I'm grabbing my hobie out back and i'm pedaling but anyways guys i hope you enjoyed the episode um like i said i'll try to be a little more consistent about it next time i'm probably going to be talking about wind control so stay tuned appreciate all you guys um, subscribe like follow us on instagram at boundaryless kayak fishing and uh yeah hope you enjoyed it i'll catch you guys later thanks bye thank you for tuning in to the boundaryless kayak fishing podcast enjoy your time on the water